Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And I'm Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So I'm going to say, Lucas, it was really hard not to say podcats as I was reading that because <laughs> right before we hit record, my cat was meowing and I was saying, no, you can't, you can't record on this podcast. And then Lucas says podcats. Anyway, you don't care about my cat. You don't care about anything that we have going on, do you, um, dear listeners? But uh, it's a it's a new day. It's a Tuesday. Uh, I feel like we haven't recorded in a long time. I don't know actually what day we last recorded. Um, it's like the beginning of last week, I think. Yeah, it definitely feels a lot longer than that. Um, but we're here today with a new episode, but it might be one that feels a bit familiar Uh, This isn't the first time we've talked about this subject, uh, but I think we maybe are approaching it from a different angle this time. Uh, I don't even know what episode number it was, but, you know, maybe back in August or September of last year, we talked about this idea of um, unity, Catholicity, um, the church, uh, how there often seems to be so much division. So what does it look like to have unity? Um, So that was just like a very narrow, specific focus. Whereas today we're going to be talking about the idea of unity Uh, as opposed to uniformity. Um, So sort of delineating the differences between those two things. Because I think, at least in some minds, those are the same thing. Unity, uniformity. Um, But I think if we thought a little bit longer about it, we would recognize that unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Um, One can actually be, I think, detrimental and just unrealistic. So um, without revealing all of our cards, why don't we jump into this episode uh, so is there anything that you wanted to say at the outset, Lucas, anything that is uh, of note, anything worthy that you want to share about this this topic today? Um, I think it is something that is not new and maybe people are rolling their eyes, you know. I, I don't think it's very unique to be talking about this in this uh, format of, you know, online Christian media, whether that's social media or uh, writings or podcasts or videos or you know it, it it not just for us I mean definitely for us on this podcast but I think also generally speaking in terms of online Christian spaces I you know however we want to think about those things um, I think this is a not a very you know unusual kind of topic but it is that way for a reason, I think, and I'm sure it can get annoying in certain contexts, but also I think it still is worth hashing out and talking about, even if we're not the only ones doing it. And part of that is to kind of, I think, explain why it's, or or explain different aspects of this conversation at different times, um, not only because it's a nuanced and complex thing to be talking about when you're talking about different people coming together into one group or one, um, you know, organization or, or, or whatever it might be, but also because um, it's something that we make a conscious effort to at least strive to be all about, you know, like we started this episode by saying that we're striving for unity amongst our diversity, which I think reveals kind of where we're heading with this episode. You know, it's, it's 
no secret if you've listened to any of our conversations, but especially the times where we've talked about unity uh, specifically and explicitly, um, which technically is every episode because of our our intro. But um, but yeah, I think that the like I don't have any any real life or or current events sort of uh, like uh, points of contact for this topic. Uh, like, like I don't have any person or anything or any event in mind of like why I think it's important right now or anything like that to talk about. Um, you might, but but I don't. I just I just have more thinking about this in in more general terms. Right. How we look at the idea of unity not being equal to uniformity, like mm. you said. Like we're we're not um, striving for everybody to think the same. Or right. go to the same, you know, church and dress the same and read the same books and express themselves in the same ways. You know, there's like a bajillion specific examples that we could give of things that aren't important or things that might be important, but not the most important, you know, um, that that there are differences over. And, and that would all fall under, I think, that diversity that is maintained just as being, you know, different human beings mm-hmm. uh which you know prevents uniformity like you said like realistically that that's just not something that could happen even if it was something that you thought was worth striving for i, I just i think it's pretty clear that, you know <laughs> large groups of people aren't uniform <laughs> yeah even and maybe if they want to be right and that's i think that's kind of the point is that nobody actually would want uniformity in my mind i don't know maybe i'm incorrect in that assessment but in my mind like the the people are so diverse whether it's ethnically whether it's in the type of tv shows that they watch whether it's music or podcasts that they prefer whatever it might be there are so many different ways that we can be unique and different Uh, but as christians it sometimes seems like christians especially um, have this desire for uniformity. If something doesn't conform to a certain image or a certain ideal or a certain way of thinking, um, then it's seen as other, as deviant, as wrong. Um, so whether that's uh, you know tattoos or piercings or style of dress or style of music, um, just like you're saying, there are so many different things that if you go from one church to another church to another church, you're never going to see the same thing. You might hear the same song, but it's played a different way. One is played, you know, only on a piano with vocals. The other has a full band and uh, lights and a stage and good production. Uh, you know, the, the, these are things that matter. They're, they're conversations that ought to be had. And so I just, I think it's important to say at the outset that we're not, we're not seeking to solve all of the church's problems. We're not even necessarily seeking to address individual things uh, you know, striving for unity over the Lord's Supper, for example. Like, how should we think about the Lord's Supper? Like, that's not the point of, of this episode. Maybe in the future we'll have one. Uh, but this is very general, very overarching, very sweeping. So if I make generalizations, I apologize if they're incorrect. Uh, but I think we are talking very, very generally here uh, because... Um, you know, you mentioned not having your own example, but uh, if you've been on Twitter, if you've been on social media over the last week, you'll know that the SBC, for example, had their their convention where they voted on a new president and a bunch of other things. Um, uh, <laughs> but it was sort of a, a hotbed for disagreements 
a, a hotbed for arguments, um, similar to our recent presidential election. It's almost like you should have bishops. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> similar to our recent presidential election in the United States, um, which showed a very, very stark divide. Um, you know, the, the votes were so close that you come, almost couldn't tell who won. Uh, very similarly, this this election had to go to a runoff election for the SBC president. And um, I think more than anything, even within a unified denomination such as the SBC, it shows that there is at least not mutual agreement on how things should be done. You know, whether it be about critical race theory or about um, allegations of sexual abuse or about how to govern this or how to manage that or whatever it might be. Um, and so it's, I think on one level, it is silly to, to strive for uniformity. Like I think if there was someone who was actually seeking uniformity, um, that would be a fruitless and even vain effort to undertake. Um, but, but for Christians to strive for unity is a different thing to strive to, uh, to recognize that despite our differences, despite our disagreements, despite that whatever it is that's keeping us apart, we have a unity that is deeper, more foundational, more important than that which divides us. And I think that's what we're really trying to get at here is as a podcast, but more than that, as people, I think it's fair to say, if I'm speaking for you, I apologize, Lucas, but as people, you and I are the type who want there to be unity in the church. We don't necessarily want uniformity. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Lucas and I come from different theological traditions. Um, so to think that we have to seek after some sort of uniformity, I think is just um, a little contradictory because, you know, Lucas has his own tradition as an Anglican, you know, with um, vestments and more robust uh, sacrament, sacramental theology. And me as a Baptist, you know, I'm just a, you know, a low church heathen that Lucas ab absolutely abhors. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's the way true. that, yeah, it is. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but <laughs> in, in, in all seriousness, like at, we, we've, we've talked about it before at different points in church history, Lucas and I might not have been friends. Like the divide might've been too great for us to have any sort of unity. And that's a, an interesting piece of history, I guess. The fact that, you know, maybe in the 1600s, Lucas would have actually despised me. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have despised him even more. Uh, but today, in the 21st century, removed from England and the historical context of what was happening there, uh, Lucas and I can have true uh, Christian unity. Uh, we don't have uniformity, but we do have unity, and that's that's worth striving for. Um, yeah. And now I'm kind of rambling, it, so. Well, I think because that's the goal right is to strive for unity amongst our diversity and be, and because we're you know ice cold take you know kind of positing that the church should be united not uniform um i think it might be helpful to kind of set out as the basis for anything else that we want to talk about for the rest of this time what or, or you know what unity is what we mean by unity but but maybe not necessarily exhaustively, but some, I think, helpful, um, you know, principles, some some helpful starting points for any kind of conversation around what unity is or what unity means or, or you know, if you're going to talk about what unity looks like in a specific 
situation or a specific context, you need to have an understanding of what are the foundational principles for our unity as Christians in the first place, right? Um, and the for me, at least, the go-to text that I think is is basically the foundation for any kind of discussion on Christian unity is John 17, especially 21 to 23. Jesus, this is part of his high priestly prayer. He has been praying for the um, disciples that are there with him. And then he, he goes to, you know, a lot of translations will, will have a little paragraph break in a heading that says like Jesus prays for all believers or something like that. So in reference to all believers that are to believe, you know, following the disciples, um, Jesus says, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be, may, may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And um, pretty, I don't know. I, I think I think it's easy to gloss over things like this when Jesus says things that are pretty wild. But I think three things we learn just from a quick read through of these three verses is that unity, you know, in the context of of the church, in the context of the Christian faith, unity is trinitarian, christological, and missional, meaning that unity that we have is the same unity that the Trinity has, that the three persons of the Godhead share together. May they all be one as you are in me and I am in you. That's an, that's an, an inner Trinitarian statement that Jesus is making. The same way, the way that um, the Father and the Son, as well as the Spirit, um, are together. The, the, you know, we can say a lot about that, the way they relate the way they are connected, the the way they interact with each other in terms of how they work, you know, the things that they do. That is, you know, the source of our unity. That That is the model as well as what that unity means for us on, but, you know, by analogy, none of us are members of the Trinity, but we share that unity. We possess that unity. And that unity is given to us Christologically. It's only in Christ that we have that. Christ says, I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So this, this, this Trinitarian character of Christian unity exists solely in Christ and by Christ. It's on the, it's on the basis of the work and person of Christ being the incarnate son of God who unites uh, heaven and earth in his in his in his natures as well as uh the the purchasing of of salvation and the um re redemptive work that he does and our union with him by faith through baptism as as paul says all over the place um that in christ that we see all over the the epistles um is where our unity comes from this trinitarian un unity is given to us through Christ, by Christ, by, by virtue of our union with him. And the ultimate purpose of all of this is missional, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. 
the unity of the church, which is this Trinitarian Christological reality given by grace for believers to participate in, results, you know, I might go so far as to say inevitably, you know, to whatever extent it is, um, you know, uh, lived into, results in a witness to the gospel, the, the, the sending of Christ and the loving of the world that, that God has has loved them with right um i think i think at least to to sort of start i think that's what jesus is talking about and that's what uh our goal as believers ought to be for the whole world um that the that the church would would share in that oneness and participate in that oneness for the life of the world right for the vision of of the love of God that that he has loved in Christ and, and in the world. And I think that those things are not only sort of the foundational principles of Christian unity, but I think they reveal the priorities of unity, right? Whether or not, you know, you like to wear, I don't know, like suits, and I like to wear jeans and a t-shirt is, is beyond irrelevant for unity, right? Like, we, we can pick all these just personality differences, you know. We don't all, you know, like, no two people are exactly alike. We like different, like you said earlier, TV shows, or you like the Marvel movies, I don't like the Marvel movies. Okay, whatever, right? Um, but I think it, you know, th- that might be, especially for, for, for some people, maybe more than others, but I think overall, that's a fairly simple, like, like it's easy to get on board with that. Yeah, it doesn't matter if, my brother or sister in Christ has a different taste in music than me, obviously, right? That, that's an easy one. That's kind of a gimme. And I think we can kind of start working our way up the ladder in terms of importance. Um, and using texts like this one in John 17, we can see what the priorities of unity are because we can keep going up. The priorities of unity don't revolve around, um, you know, cultural expressions of worship, right? The the we in this text that's not addressed first of all it's not addressed because it's not important enough to be like the main thing second of all we see in other texts that um there's no longer jew or greek because we're one in christ jesus meaning all these different churches across the world are all united despite the fact that they come from different you know hellenized jewish cultures palestinian jewish cultures Greek culture, Roman culture, right? We see all, you know, and all these conflicts that we see between Jew and Gentile Christians, you know, especially in like Romans, where all of that is relativized by, you know, one of my favorite verses, even though, you know, this is not me, but I I wish it was. If it caused my brother to stumble, I'll I'll never eat meat again, right? (laughs) Like um, that diversity shines through in these matters that, that are that are a little more important, right? Because in the context of Romans, with that argument, Paul's talking about you know food sacrifice to idols and that kind of a thing. Like there was a real sort of theological as well as cultural component to what do we do with uh, believers who you know live in the midst of a pagan society and who have come from paganism, many of them. How do we how do we handle that in love as a united body? And that's you know Paul has a lot to say about that about how to handle those issues, which are certainly more important than what your favorite color is or 
what kind of food you like to eat or what your favorite music is, right? Um, but even still, even though those things are important and they have a little more theological significance, um, nowhere in the New Testament are we given any inkling that that is somehow uh, okay to, to serve as an obstacle for unity, right? The whole point of a lot of what Paul's getting at when he talks about these issues is that they that stuff doesn't separate us anymore. Even if even if we were separated by it, or even if at times we find it hard not to be separated by it, right? The 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 goal is that we'd be one as the Father and Son are one. And that means those kinds of things aren't gonna be what separate us anymore. So I, I hopefully that those examples made a little bit of sense and it wasn't yeah. weren't too all over the place. But I'm trying to sort of we can look at these different, you know, degrees of seriousness, right? And by comparing them to what Jesus tells us about unity, especially in John 17, I'm saying, we can see how important those things are and prioritize what it means to be united. It means to be living in love as the Trinity does through the work and person of Christ given to us by the Spirit, uh, you know, the glory that Jesus gives to us, like he says, for the, for the sake of the mission of the church, right? And I think prioritizing those things, at least on paper, goes a long way to setting the perspective when there are specific issues, different theological opinions over, you know, the ins and outs of election or the sacraments or non-theological issues or non-directly theological issues like uh, political disagreements and things like that. And, and I think that these priorities for unity ought to be guiding us and shedding light on how we handle those other things, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you're somebody who's listening to this episode and you're like, well, you know, you guys have talked a lot about unity. You've mentioned uniformity. But like, I don't necessarily know where I see uniformity in the world. And so like, I just, as you were talking, I sort of thought of an example of, of where we see people that are more pushing for uniformity. And a, a, an example would be the, the IFB world, the Independent Fundamental Baptist world. Um, if you're familiar with it, if you've seen, you know, Preacher Boys and the IFB Preacher Clips and, you know, some of these YouTube and Twitter channels and all that, um, uh, it, it's a it's a denomination that sometimes like I, I hear these little two minute clips on Twitter where the, they're like literally just preaching about like the length of a woman's dress. Like the length of your dress is super important, ladies. Like if you're not any if you you know if it's any shorter than 15 inches past your waist, like you're 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 you're, you're really having some problems. Um, and, and oftentimes these uh, traditions that are striving for more uniformity um they are striving for it within the bounds of their denomination, um, but it's it's very dogmatic. It's very fundamentalist. It's very um, fixated on people looking a certain way, behaving a certain way. And again, anything that's different is deviant or wrong or sinful or um, hellbound. And and I think you would agree that that's at least in the IFB tradition that that's. Um, somewhat of a fair assessment. I know there's probably some IFB people that are um, good preachers, good pastors who are faithfully serving, um, but I can think of a handful that are far more concerned about um, just Clothes very and yeah, music and the, yeah, things that don't matter. Right? Like they're they're more fixated on on, on abstaining from culture 
than having any sort of unity within themselves or with the broader Christian culture because a lot of IFB people see everybody else as like they're uh, living the, in the way of the devil. Like, you know, they're listening to their rock and roll, their rap, their hip hop. Uh, you know, they're over there wearing, um, you know, spaghetti strap swimsuits with, uh, you know, a two piece or whatever. Like they're, they're, they see everybody else that isn't in their little world and they see it as problematic. And I'm sure, again, that's, again, I'm speaking generally. These are sweeping. I'm, I'm sure that there are exceptions to that. Uh, but I, I'm reminded of, of Romans 12. And I think this is a passage that comes up pretty often for me. Um, I think it's one that I once was like, hey, we should do a, a, an entire episode on this section of Romans 12 that we never did. Maybe we, we will someday. That's like a running joke. Like, yeah, that, that could be a whole episode on its own. But uh, Romans 12, I'm going to skip around a little bit between uh, verse 3 and verse 20. But it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We could do a whole episode on the each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, like what that means. Um, verse four, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. And so we, the church, though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, um, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, if uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, um, and it goes on from there, and then it gives, I think, what's called uh, the Christian ethic, um, in, in at least in the CSB, it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and, and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Uh, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Um, it goes on a little bit later. Verse 16, to live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Um, as, as, uh, let's see, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Um, like these are just examples of, especially that imagery of the body, like literally think of your physical body. You have a head, you have ears, you have arms, hands, legs. Um, so long as the Lord has willed that you, you know, have those things and that they work, um, quote unquote normally. Uh, but look at yourself, think of your hand as opposed to your foot. Think of your ear as opposed to your mouth. You your body has different members that function differently, that do different things that have different importances is that a word they are of greater and lesser importance um but you are a unified whole you have without those things you know if, if, if you were just like one big eyeball that would just be incredibly strange uh, you you wouldn't think you wouldn't taste you wouldn't hear you're just one giant eyeball um, similarly, the church is composed like a body. We have people who who serve, people who prophesy, people who teach, people who uh, contribute their wealth to the needy. Whatever it is, we, we have all these different functions, all these different roles, all these different gifts, and they're all used in a unity that is greater than the diversities that uh, are, are composed therein. So, uh, despite the fact that someone might have the gift of prophecy and someone has the gift of speaking in tongues or has the gift of, of teaching or whatever, 
Um, it does not make one of those people any more or less important than the other. Uh, but as we differ, we have that, like Lucas is saying, that unity that brings us together that um, is overarching, that is uh, above all the rest. And um, just like he, just like he says, um, you know, think of yourself with sober judgment. Uh, do not be haughty. Do not be boastful. Uh, these are things that that ought to character uh, characterize <laughs> um, the the Christian. What it what it looks like to live in and among uh, not only the church but but in the world. And uh, I think, uh, well, yeah, no, I think at, at times we we really can as as a church, whether it's the SBC, whether it's uh, the you know, Presbyterian congregations, wherever you find yourself in America or in the world, um, like think about your own denomination. In what ways does your denomination interact with the other denominations? Like in what way does your Baptist church interact with the Lutherans in your town or the Anglicans or the uh, Episcopalians or whatever? And, and maybe to some degree there is certain significant doctrinal differences. Maybe there are certain uh, practices that are pretty important, and, and and maybe this is something we can touch on, maybe not. Um, like, how far does unity go? At what point is, like, can we not compromise? At what point do we have unity just for the sake of unity, and we're cohort, uh, cohorting with people who, um, you know, maybe are heretics or aren't actually Christians or or whatever? Like, how, how do we navigate those? That, that might just be a completely different topic. Um but 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 just like like I said, think about your specific denomination and how you interact with your brothers and sisters that you find in your town that are different. Um, because I've I've been a part of churches that are really good at interacting, at at being ecumenical and, and going out and doing uh, different outreach events or prayer meetings or serving together or whatever it might be. But I've also been a part of a couple churches that do a really bad job of having unity with fellow brothers and sisters because we see those things that make us different, whether it's our gifts, whether it's our denomination, um, whether it's whatever. And we want to divide over those things. You know, we, we, I can't necessarily think of an example off the top of my head, but I'm sure our listeners out there can, can conceive of one or think of a personal example. Um, but again, now how, how, how do we wrap this all up, Lucas? How do we, how do we bring yeah. this to a, a, a cohesive end? Because at least from my part, I feel like I've rambled a lot. You've had a lot of really good things to say. But how do we conclude this idea of, of, of having unity, uh, of being unified as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, but not being uniform in, in recognizing that there are differences, that there are um, things that make us unique, uh, but we don't have to see those things as you know, things to divide further over? Yeah, I think there something you've been getting at, I think, or, or has been in what you've been getting at, if that makes sense, is there is this tension, right? There is this reality that, um, you know, there are things that you can't compromise on. There are people who claim the name of Christ, who believe very different things on fundamental doctrinal issues than other people who name the name claim the name of Christ and to pretend that those differences don't exist is silly right and and that's not what we're saying um there so there is a tension between 
um, the unity and the division that exists because there are divisions that are ridiculous, right? There are churches that split over the color of the carpet. And then there are churches that split over things like whether or not, you know, you need to be in communion with the Bishop of Rome in order to be saved, right? Like there are, there are these different reasons for division. And that is, I think, where a lot of the complexity and nuance around conversations like this come in. It's easy to say we need to strive for unity. We're commanded to be one. We're told that we are one. And so we need to be striving to live as if we're one. We need to love, if we're supposed to love our enemies, how much more are we supposed to love Christians who are different than us, even if they believe differently than us? And that's true. It's easy to say all that. And then when you start looking at real life, it's it's a little more complicated, obviously, to put it mildly. But I think that the tension comes in where both of those, both sides of this discussion need to be, uh, I think, I think, tempered by the other. We need to remember um, the the command to be one and the reality that there is one holy church, right? And that has real concrete practical implications for how you as a minister of a church located in a, in a specific place interact with Christians who don't go to your church but are Christians, right? Um, and we also have to remember on, on the, the, the tempering of that is the fact that we are called to hold fast to the faith once delivered to the saints. And that means that there is a faith that we're supposed to hold fast to, and we can't just pretend that differences in belief don't matter. And there are, even within that, we can talk about differences in degree, right? Like you might disagree with someone over one aspect of the faith, which is not as important as a different aspect of the faith. So maybe you don't worship in the same congregation on Sunday, but you can work together in Christian ministry during the week. That's a kind of vague example, but I hope it makes my point. And I think in all of this, as we're going back and forth between the realities of living in a world where we are broken, sinful people dealing with a divided church, um, and that should not be the case, but it is the case, we have to we have to as we're trying to do this balancing act of, of recognizing the importance and realities of both sides of that discussion as we you know our ultimate goal being unity we have to remember that Romans 12 ethic that you were talking about of counting others in humility more than ourselves striving to live at peace with everybody and in in this life maybe that means we're not going to get to enjoy unity the way that we ought to with every Christian or every congregation that exists. Um, that's, you know, that's a, a tragic reality that it seems as though it's safe to say we're all going to face to some degree while we're here on, on this earth, right? Um, but I think that that does not mean we ignore what is truth or that we ignore our brothers and sisters, but rather I think living in that ethic of love and humility is how we navigate the specific complications and issues that do arise, how we go about those conversations with the, you know, between the, the Baptist and the Lutheran and the Eastern Orthodox and the Buddhist, right? Like there, 
there are different ways that you'll talk to each one of those people based on your own experiences and beliefs and where you come from. But ultimately, as a Christian, it's your responsibility to live in love and to, to carry yourself according to this Sermon on the Mount, Romans 12, turn the other cheek, uh, you know, uh, as uh, Christ emptied himself, we are to empty ourselves, having the same mind as him, counting others more than ourselves in Philippians 2. That's how we need to be sort of posturing ourselves to go about having this conversation in order to, to the best of our ability, by the grace of God, balance and temper this, um, you know, refusal to give up unity and at the same time, refusal to compromise on issues of the faith that are important, right? Um, and that's, those those two refusals are, are things we, we need to hold to and as a result of holding to them, we're going to run into complications. And that's where humility, love, and faith that God will lead us uh, into the right words and the right actions are really important, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think maybe just to land this plane, I'll, I'll conclude with uh, something that I actually used to say all the time to my youth group students, uh, sort of by way of encouragement, uh, but also just to drive home the reality that uh, we have, as Christians, we have more in common with brothers and sisters around the globe that we do not know than we do with our family of, uh, of unbelievers. Um, so in a, in a sense, the, the people that I've never met living in Ethiopia or uh, living in China or North Korea or uh, Detroit, Michigan, wherever these people are that I've never met, these people who I will live with for eternity, uh, we have a unity uh, a, a relationship as the body of Christ that is deeper and more full and more real um, than with my own cousin who lives down the road who who isn't a Christian. It's not to say that you're uh, you know that 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 relationship is insignificant that it doesn't matter, uh, but it's it just as a way of encouragement to sh to show the type of unity that we have. We're more unified with people that we don't know um, than people that we you know quote unquote live with. Um, in a spiritual sense, in the sense that, you know, one day we will be with each other um, in glory forever, worshiping our Lord and the faith that we share, even if it's Eastern Orthodox versus Baptist, um, we, we have a unity that is, that is deep, that is profound and that is real. So that's that's sort of what I'll leave uh, this conversation with. That's good. Let's, uh, you know, as we always do, we will conclude in prayer. So please pray with us. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace to take to heart the grave dangers we are in through our many divisions. Deliver your church from all enmity and prejudice and everything that hinders us from godly union. As there is one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so make us all to be of one heart and of one mind, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and love, that with one voice we may give you praise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in everlasting glory. Amen. Well, that, was, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and listening to today's episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear your feedback, get any questions you have for us personally or from today's episode, as well as ideas for future episodes. We love interacting with you and especially um, talking about the things that 
you guys want us to talk about and want to listen to. So please get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we'll see you. Peace.